and welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. Harvest Church is based in sunny Durban, South Africa. We are a family of believers who are passionate about Jesus. We really hope this message inspires you today. So we are in Romans chapter 8, and we're going to be continuing from where we've been speaking about When we got to this place of saying, you know, sometimes we just feel we're never going to change. I was chatting to an individual this week, and they were saying, I've got this issue in my life, and it's never going to change. Maybe with you it's guilt. Maybe it's shame. Maybe it's just that sense of, you know, I'm I'm not good enough, and I can't be good enough. But this thing is never going to change in my life. When we come to God's Word, to His truth, it says this. It says there's no domination, so we can have victory. Alexander Fenter last week was speaking about how uh, through Romans chapter 8, we see that we are being empowered and equipped to rule and reign in life, not only in the age to come, but here and now by the Spirit's leading and by us, us being yielded and sensitive to His leading. And so that's what we see unfolding as we go through these pages and these verses. The New Testament scholar N.T. Wright says this about Romans 8. Romans 8 is a veritable feast that carries the power of the gospel in every breath. He says if the church would hoist its sails and catch the winds of Romans chapter 8, there's no telling what might happen. I want to encourage you to hoist the sails today because there's no telling what might happen as the Spirit breathes and leads as He will. So let's make space in our hearts. But we're going to be looking at verses... um, particularly 9 to 13. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit further just to give us an idea of where we're going. But it's in these verses that we see the Holy Spirit mentioned over and over and over again. And we're looking at this moment about how do I experience change? How do I change? And it's to realize that we have a guarantee that we will because of the Holy Spirit's activity. And it's really three things that we see that are mentioned here that I'm wanting to bring out in these verses. And it's firstly this, we looked at it the last time I shared, that I have a new nature. The Holy Spirit does that. If you are a believer, you have a new nature. The Holy Spirit does it. That we have a new manager. We're under new management. The Holy Spirit is that. And we have a new relationship with the Father. It's the Holy Spirit who affirms that. And so we were looking at what it means to have a new nature. Because here's the thing, God relates to us on our new nature. He's not relating to you on your old behavior, old habits, and the old sinful nature you'll find, and he's relating to you as who you now are in Christ, being reborn by the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes in that regard, and he's always wanting to establish us in righteousness. He's wanting to establish us in Christ-likeness, and he reminds us of who we are as accepted in the beloved. He reminds us of our position in Christ. So we no longer have to identify with the old sinful nature. It's dead. There are sinful habits, old ways of thinking, old ways of behaving, old patterns that we have to um, transition out of because that's not who we are anymore. And so this is the thing. He relates to us on our position, not our condition. So often we think, it's, I've got to work on my condition so I can know my position. But no, the Father relates to us. The Holy Spirit is working in us to remind us of our position in Christ. It's the Trinity of God all at work as we are partaking of the life of God. 
And so he says to us, when he comes to us, he doesn't say, get rid of this so you can become that. No, he deals with our position. He says, you are this. You no longer need to do that. That's what he says to us. He doesn't come and say, you need to change your behavior so you can become something. No, the Holy Spirit leads us in a moment of discovering who we are in Christ. And when we realize who we are in Christ, who He is, who we are in Him, who He is in us by His Spirit, who we are being called to be, when we realize and discover that, then we start to behave accordingly. So this is what it means to have a new nature. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited that we have a new nature. I'm sure the people online are uh, high-fiving and giving amens. I realize we're not allowed to do that in the building, so there's no condemnation. Let's read from verse 9. You, however, I mean, I mentioned that we're getting to the good part. This is the good part, uh, because it's not speaking about who we aren't. It's speaking about who we are. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Verse 12, therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. Uh, just remember that, that phrase. We have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. For you do not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship, and by him we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. And if we are heirs of God, then we are co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we might also share in his glory. Verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not even worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. It's a long passage of scripture, but there's so much depth so much profound truths there that I just want to pull out a few of them. And we're not going to go much further, as I said, than verse 13 or 14. But I just wanted to read the text as Alexander encouraged us with just a holistic picture of what it is saying. The first thing that I want to realize, as I've said, we've got, we've got a new nature. But what I want us to look at today is we, ha we are under new management. We have a new manager in the Holy Spirit. And when we talk about the Holy Spirit managing and filling us and controlling us, it can sound a little bit mysterious. We don't really like that word control too much. And we wonder, how does that take place in my everyday life? How do I allow the Holy Spirit's strength and energy and power empower me to live daily in this life that we are living? And here as we read, we're going to get some practical insights into how that unfolds. So the first truth, and I want to bring out five. The first truth that I want to bring out is this. Number one, you can put it on the screen, thank you, is that we need to realize that without Christ, I can't have the Spirit. Without Christ, I cannot have the Holy Spirit. Verse 9 says this, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, 
he does not belong to Christ. Saying if the Holy Spirit's not at work in your life, then you haven't received Jesus yet as your Lord and Savior. Conversely, he's saying this, if you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. Here's the thing. You might not feel alive to the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is alive in you if you are a believer. The Holy Spirit is alive in you, and so we want to become enlivened to Him. We want to become sensitive to His leading. We want to surrender to how He is guiding us and leading us. And when we get this, that because Christ is in me, I have His Holy Spirit, when we understand this, it is the starting point of the unfolding of all that we are looking at, what it means to be under new management. So we realize that without Christ, I can't have the Spirit. And with Jesus in my life, I have the Holy Spirit. So if you believe here, He's at work in you, upon you, through you, transforming you into the image of Christ from glory to glory so that you come into the fullness of everything that God has predestined you to be. That's what's happening right now in this moment, even if you are unaware, if you have received Jesus. The second point I want to bring is this, that we need to realize that without the Spirit, I cannot please God. That can sound a little bit daunting, but that's not meant to be a condemning statement. That's meant to be a liberating statement. It means you don't have to try and do it in your own strength. Verse 8 says, those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. I mean, how many times have you tried to please God? I'm a member on one of the soul groups lists. I don't know if they know that because they sent out a message yesterday afternoon saying, hey, the beach is going to be awesome in the morning. And uh, none of them are here. No condemnation, as you, as you watch a little bit later. I, I would love to be on the beach as well. But you see, um, there are those of us that are here. And if we came here by just saying, you know, I need to go to church. It's my duty. And uh, I'm going to force myself to go because I'm needing to please God. I want to say it's the wrong motivation. You are powering up yourself to do that in yourself. But if you've come because of the Holy Spirit at work in you, inspiring you and leading you and saying, no, the beach is awesome, but there's an opportunity that we can fellowship together as a community, that we can love on God and worship and have communion with Him, that we can get to live out our praise and glorifying Him. And there's a moment that is going to be so much better than whatever else you might be anticipating. And we are led here. Then I want to say it's a totally different thing. And the heart of the Father is so pleased that you've acted in faith in response to the Spirit it's leading. But so often we try to do it and we try to do it out of self and our own energy. When we get caught up in that, we can get frustrated. You might be sitting here and saying, get on with it, George. You've just told me the beach is great. When's this going to end? You might be feeling frustrated. When we start to try to do it in our own strength, we die a little bit on the inside and we, we lose our joy. And we don't try to do it in our own power, but we feel weakened. You see, here's the thing. Christianity is not what you can do for God. It's what He has done for you and what He's wanting to do in you. It's not what you can do for Him. It's what He has done for you. And when we start to live in and live out of that place, then we are living out of His grace, His empowerment, His divine enablement. And we try and change that around so often. You see, for some of us, Christianity is a form of piety, of being pious, piety, and, and it means it's what we do for God. God, I'm going to do this for you because I'm so pious. For some of us, it's sociology, and it's all about what we can do for other people. God, I'm going to try and please you by what I can do for everyone else. For some of us, it's psychology. It's what do I need to do for myself? 
But you see, this is the life we call to. As we sang today, it's doxology. It's living my life out as praise back to God. I'm going to live my life as an expression of worship to Him. I'm going to live my life as an expression of glorification to the one who is worthy of all praise. I'm going to live as an outworking of doxology. And I'm going to do this because He has changed me, because I have a new nature, because I'm a new person, I have a new destiny, I have a new um, understanding of who I am called to be. And so I can't but help but to exp express my praise back to Him. You see, it's not done out of my own effort. It's done because of what the Holy Spirit is revealing to me and leading me in. Christianity is not about self-improvement. It's about fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Christianity is not about self-improvement or behavior modification. It's about fellowship and journeying with the Spirit of God and what He is wanting to lead us into. And so I know that I can change because I'm under new management. And I know that as I follow the Spirit's leading, that that is bringing pleasure to the heart of the Father. One great Bible commentator, Warren Weasby, said this about Romans chapter 8. He said there are three things taking place in these passages that we are reading, verse 5 to verse 17. He says the first level, one level is this, verse 5 to 8, you don't have the Spirit. That's what's happening, and I mentioned that earlier. It's when you're trying to do it all in your own flesh. You don't have the Spirit. But the second level is this, in verse 9 to 11. It's that you have the Spirit. Something has shifted. The first level didn't have the Spirit. Second level, you do have the Spirit. But here's the third level. This is the most exciting place to be and to live out our lives as believers. It's verse 12 to verse 17, and it's where the Spirit has you. First level, you don't have the Holy Spirit. Second level, you have the Holy Spirit. The third level, the Holy Spirit has you, meaning he's got control of you. And, and for some of us, we pull back and we think, I, I don't like this word control. But we read here, as I mentioned, verse 9, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. It's a different sort of control. Control in God means this, you let go and you let God. You let go and you let God. And it's a big word because some of us need to be in control. I need to be in control of the situation, the circumstance, of every little detail, of everything that's happening and everyone that's here. Anyone feel like that? They know that I need to control this. And God says, no, control for me is not the same as it is for you. He's saying, I don't need to control so I can feel better about myself. Some of us are here and we feel I need to control the situation so I can feel better about who I am. But God says, I don't need to control so I can feel better about myself. It's so I can empower you to be the best version of yourself. I want you to be all that you're called to be. And I want to lead you in that and I want to help you discover that. And he's showing us how to live this new kind of life. To understand that as we allow the Holy Spirit to take control in those areas, that it, it pleases the heart of the Father. Because we cannot please God disconnected from the Holy Spirit. We cannot do it by ourselves, as we read in verse 8. And so we need to understand what He is doing so that we can live in the fullness of it. The third point I want to bring is this. It's that the Holy Spirit gives life to your spirit and to my spirit. You can put it up on the screen. The Holy Spirit gives life to our spirit. Before Christ, I was spiritually dead, but with Christ, I am alive. Before the Holy Spirit came into my life, 
because of receiving Jesus. I knew about God, not really me, I was three years old, but for some of us. Uh, I gave my life to the Lord at three. But for some of us, we knew about God and we might have been praying to the idea of God, but we didn't have relationship yet. You see, that only happens when the Holy Spirit comes. Because without the Holy Spirit... With the Holy Spirit, it's like there's power within my mic set that there is connection. There's something that happens and the Holy Spirit comes into our life and that which was dead in us, He brings alive again so that we can be connected, we can experience the life of God. And God has made us with these incredible possibilities and abilities and opportunities to live a life that is glorifying to Him, but we cannot do it if there's no batteries in the, in the mark. We cannot do it if there's no power in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit to come and to make our spirit come alive again. And that's what he does. So that, that, that there's that inner motivation and, and guidance that coming and when to say no and when to say yes. It's the Holy Spirit in our lives that empowers that and enables that. So without the Spirit, I'm like this mark being dead and no batteries, no power. But with them, I'm alive. And something has changed and I'm connected. I'm plugged into the electricity of heaven. I begin to be a conduit for heaven to touch earth. It's an exciting place to live. And the fourth thing is this. The Holy Spirit gives life to my body. It says in verse 11, If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal body through his spirit. Here's the exciting thing, is that not only has my spirit come alive so that I can live in the fullness of God, but his Holy Spirit is working something in my body. And you might say, well, you know, uh, what, what does that mean? Well, you know, we live in a fallen world and uh, you just need to go and look in the mirror to see that you are deteriorating and things are falling. You can just look one week ago and you might witness some of that happening. The encouragement comes to say that I'm not only bringing life to you spiritually, but I'm bringing it, you're going to have resurrected bodies. I love what um, John Stott said. He said, this resurrection body will be a perfect vehicle for our redeemed personality. This resurrection body will be a perfect vehicle for our redeemed personality. I look around the room and some of us have got way too much personality for the bodies that we're currently in. We're needing some redeemed, sorry, resurrected bodies to fully express all the wonderful personality that we have. And this is one of the promises that we find here in these verses. And the fifth thing that I want to bring that I love is this. And I want to, this is my last point. I have a new obligation and it's a new way to live my life. We can put it up. I have a new obligation. Something's changed and something shifted. We looked that we had a new nature. We looked that we under new management. And under new management, I have a new obligation and a new way to live. I'm not obligated to live according to the sinful nature anymore. You know, some of us might be thinking, but George, you know, I know, I've got the, I know I believe in Jesus and I know the Holy Spirit is in my life, but I'm still obligated to live in old patterns and old ways of thinking and old ways of behaving and old habits. It's just my natural bent. It's what I just click back into. I want to say, no, it is not your natural bent. It is unnatural. It's just that you haven't yet renewed your mind and been transformed because of that. We need to change the way that we think because we are no longer obligated to the sinful nature. When you look at what the commentary says, it is not true. It means we are no longer bound to it. It means we are no longer captive to it. It means we no longer have to obey what it is dictating to us. 
the, the culture around us and the condition that we find ourselves in and the, the old nature that's trying to resurrect itself. That's why it says uh, elsewhere in Romans, reckon yourself dead to it. And when that thing comes back up, just remind it that it's dead. You are not obligated to it. In, in verses 12 to 13, Paul explains that it's the, only the Holy Spirit who can allow this shift to take place, that we live free of this feeling of obligation to the old nature. And it starts off and it says, therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, not to the sinful nature, but we have an obligation to the spirit. Here's the thing. What Paul is doing is he's taking us back to verse one, where he said, therefore, there's no condemnation, which takes us to the victory statement of Jesus, which is, it is finished. And because it is finished, there's no condemnation. And because there's no condemnation, we're no longer under obligation. We're no longer captive. We're no longer enslaved. We're no longer bound. But we are a new creation. There's a new way to live. Something has shifted because Jesus has put an end to sin through death on the cross so we are no longer obligated to that thing it's dead it's gone it's buried but we've got to change our mindsets here's the thing through death Jesus released us from the penalty of sin and through his resurrection life he releases us from the power of sin the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you and I so you can know this that by his blood you are free from the penalty of sin, but by His Spirit, you have the power to overcome sin. Let me say it this way. You are released from the penalty of sin by His blood, and you are released from the power of sin by His Spirit. That's what it means to have the Holy Spirit at work in us. We're not obligated to the sinful nature, but we have, we have this obligation to the Spirit. And so you have this new opportunity, this new way to live, and it's according to how He's leading us and as we start to trust what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives, as we start to live in that place, all those things that we have maybe done wrong, that we feel obliged and obligated to that are in our past, we start to realize and to recognize that they have been put to death by what Jesus did on the cross. So as we trust in Him, we grow in that understanding. No, I, I'm no longer obligated. Because here's the thing. The Father is in the business of strategic life exchange. He is in the business of strategic life exchange. We had sin. Jesus was righteous. He exchanged it. You no longer have sin. You have been called to be the righteousness of God. Sometimes sin is still trying to grab a hold on you. But you have been set free from, the, from what Jesus did on the cross. It's been put in the grave. It's been dealt with at Calvary. So here is what happens when we have these areas in our life. Maybe there's fear. Maybe there's a little bit of anxiety. Maybe there's worry. Maybe there's irritation and bitterness and sorrow. But when those things are happening in our life, he comes and he doesn't deal with that in a sense. He doesn't come to deal with our fear. He's already dealt with sin at the cross. He's not dealing with that again. He's dealing with our new nature. He's dealing with the righteousness that he's establishing in us. He's dealing with his purpose and his plans. So he doesn't come to work on your fear. He comes to Work perfect love in your life that drives out fear. That's what he comes to do. Life exchange. He doesn't come to work on your anxiety. He comes to bring you to a new place of peace and rest in him. He doesn't come to work on your worry. He comes to bring you into a place of fresh revelation of what the peace of God is in your life and mine. He doesn't come to work on our anger. You know, sometimes I've, I'm just driving these streets and 
try to turn on power sockets in South Africa or watching American elections. You know, sometimes I feel that maybe I need to work on my anger. Lord, come help me work on my anger. He says, I'm not working on your anger. I've already dealt with that. But what I'm going to come and do is I'm going to work in you and I'm going to empower you to live in a new way that is a fruit of gentleness that will mark your life. I'm doing a new thing in you. Strategic. Life exchange. He doesn't come to work on our irritation, but to work patience as a fruit in our lives. Not bitterness, but gratitude. Not sorrow, but joy. This is what happens when we realize that we have the Holy Spirit and that we are not obligated to the sinful nature, but to life. And so he's saying this, you're not, well, we should be saying this about ourselves. We shouldn't be saying, I'm never going to change, because he is saying this to us, you are inevitably going to change. It's going to happen, because if I, if you have received me as Lord and Savior, if the Holy Spirit is at work in your life, I am changing you, I am transforming you from one degree of glory to another. I'm at work in you, and you are going to experience full change. Here's the thing. When you get to heaven, you're going to be fully changed. You're going to have resurrected bodies. You're going to be living free from what this world tries to ensnare us in. But here's my encouragement. Why wait? Why put it off to a future date when we have an invitation now that we can be experiencing the joy of heaven now? We can be experiencing the fullness of life that we have in Him now. We can be experiencing fulfillment that we have in heaven in Him now. We can be living in a way that glorifies Him totally now as we live lives of praise and worship, doxology expressed back to Him. So we're not just waiting for heaven, but we're growing we're being transformed from one degree to another as we live a life of worship. So I want to end by this because you might be saying, well, George, that sounds great, but how do I practically walk this out or work this out? And really, it's the Holy Spirit who does it in our lives, but there's a way that we can partner with them in that. And it's to understand that it's as simple as breathing, that we need to say, just as in the physical we need to breathe, in the spiritual we need to breathe daily as well. And it's simply breathing out. It's called breathing prayer. And it's simply this. I breathe out and I say, thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. And I breathe in and I say, thank you, Lord, for your empowerment. I breathe out and I say, thank you, Lord, that I don't, I'm not caught up in that old nature, old ways of thinking, old behavior, old patterns, old habits. Thank you that I'm dead to those things. And then I breathe in and I say, thank you for your spirit. Thank you that I have a new nature. Thank you that I have a new management. Thank you that I'm obligated to life and not to death. Thank you that I can be experiencing all that heaven has for me here as it is in heaven on earth. But simply just to drill it down, it's this, this easy and I want you to do it with me. Take in a breath and then breathe out and say, Lord, thank you that I am forgiven. And then I want you to breathe in and say, thank you, Holy Spirit, for your power. You're going to figure out how you can breathe in and say something at the same time. But really, you get the picture of what what I'm meaning there. It's this new nature. It's this new way of living. We know we spoke about the new nature. I can think differently. I can live differently. I can relate to God differently. And here we sing, because of the Holy Spirit, I'm under control. I let go and I let God. I realize that there's a new ownership in my life. It says that I'm not, I don't belong to the enemy, but I belong to Jesus. I belong. There's a place of belonging. And then thirdly, it means I'm not obligated to the sinful nature, but I'm obliged to live into the fullness of life that has been offered to me in Christ Jesus. Can we just stand as we pray? 
Father, I just want to thank you that even as we spend time in your word, we know that it is living, it is active, that Jesus, that we encounter you as the word, through the word, and that Holy Spirit, even as you breathe the word onto these pages, you're breathing it afresh into our lives. And I just thank you that you will just bring fresh discovery, as we spoke about earlier, to who we are called to be in you. I pray, Lord, that you'll break off shackles, limitations, and uh, captive thoughts that we have that lead us back into what would be an old way of living. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you bring us through and you lead us into the fullness of what it means to live in the newness of life that we've received because of Christ Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you just bring a, a, a fresh empowerment, as we've said, because there's no condemnation, because we're no longer obligated. I thank you for a fresh empowerment to live our lives out as we said earlier, as a doxology, an expression of praise and worship and glory to who you are. And so, Holy Spirit, we come and we just say once again, we just invite you to come and have your way in us and through us. And we thank you that even as we pray this, we thank you that you bring freedom for us to move freely into all that you have for us, the fullness of life. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And together we say, amen, so be it.